Devin Booker today officially signed a four-year, $210 million plus super max contract extension, making him the most magnetic, the most special Phoenix Sun star in franchise history. And not only that, one of the biggest in the entire history of Phoenix sports. I'll tell you why on today's episode of Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at suns.com. And Dime Magazine, a big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. No KD trade, but lots to talk about. Actually, I waited too long on this episode. There is so much to talk about because of Kevin Durant that you should not go anywhere. Hit subscribe, hit follow on your favorite podcast platform wherever you're listening. And if you're finding us on YouTube, go ahead and hit subscribe. That's the best way to support the show. Go ahead and drop me a, again, hit that subscribe button and drop me a comment below telling me what you think the best move outside of the Kevin Durant talks has been by the Phoenix Suns. We're going to get into all of that today. The three signings that the Suns have made that I've not yet talked about. The summer league roster and my general thoughts and players to watch. But Booker signing his Supermax contract is where we have to start. Four years, about $214 million dollars. And uh, I want to tell you guys what it means in the grand scheme of everything. Today's show, guys, brought to you by Arcade One Up, Locked on Suns, partnering with Lunt. With Arcade One Up this summer to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right, three. These are the guys known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at-home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. And now, giving away an NBA Jam Shack Edition machine if you enter at arcadeoneup.com slash locked on. More from them later on in the show. So, four years, 214 or so million, that will get locked in once the cap number for the 24-25 season, I believe, gets locked in officially, which won't come until basically right at that time. That brings Booker's total to about $283 million, at least $280 million over the next six seasons, bringing him to the end of his age 31 season. In all... Likelihood, in an ideal world, bringing Booker in for the remainder of his competitive prime. Um, Locking him into a decade plus with this franchise and just cementing a legacy that he's already had here and that we obviously hope continues to grow for, for these six more seasons. The only players in NBA history to sign genuine Supermaxes now You'll sometimes find Booker, or I'm sorry, other players like, uh, I, want, I meant to say Luca or even Trey Young get listed on these lists. Those are not super maxes. Those are just rookie scale extensions. Now they're the Rose Rule rookie scale extensions, which includes that bump up to the next level of about $20 million more dollars, but those are not super maxes. I may not have everybody, but this is the best list that I could find, and a bunch of these got added this year. I'll start with the ones that were not this year, and then I'll get to those last. So, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Russell Westbrook, 
John Wall and James Harden were the previous Supermax players in league history prior to this summer. This summer, I believe three were signed. Carl Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic, and Devin Booker. And again, that rarefied air, that special place that he holds in the league, it cannot be understated. And I wanted to read this from uh, something that I wrote last year after Booker scored 47, I want to say, hit a bunch of threes, and basically took down the Lakers single-handedly in that game six. I wrote, quote, The best of the NBA have been trying to tell us this would happen for a while. Whether it was Kobe, KD, Paul George, or LeBron himself, star after star after star for years have publicly celebrated Booker's brilliance. They knew he had what it took from a mentality and skill standpoint to get it done in the summer, and here he was doing it. Going through the past half decade as a Suns fan, it hardly felt as if the franchise was building toward anything. There was so much losing. The fan base started bleeding, even its diehard fans, after a while. Heck, this website, Bright Side of the Sun, has a hugely different cast of contributors because, well, it just wasn't very fun to write about Archie Goodwin or Mike James the past few years. Through Booker, though, there was a sense of direction. As he improved, so followed the organization. Young guys like DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson were drafted because they fit with Booker, a young star whom James Jones and Monty Williams knew could be the sun around which the rest orbited. Getting to coach Booker was a big reason why Williams wanted to coach the team. And as Chris Paul has reminded us countless times, Booker was the main reason the point guard wanted to come to Phoenix. Booker is the most magnetic, exciting, true superstar in Phoenix Suns history, and I would posit in the history of Valley Sports. Um, to me, I just have been trying to spend the day since this became official. I, I, I knew it would be this week. The moratorium on the NBA lifted, and I wanted to try to come up with the right things to say. And I think what I came down on is that he's the perfect mix from an NBA standpoint, from a, a league legacy standpoint, the perfect mix of the young guard and the old guard. He's a thrilling young talent who gets along with everyone and actually makes this, has made this son's team an appealing organization and at a time when we didn't think that was ever going to be possible again but he's also a guy whose on-court style his fashion and culture sense and his personality feel distinctly old school in this league he doesn't feel like the rest of the dudes that are his peers he does definitely doesn't play like those guys and I also think there's another element to it that frankly to me doesn't get talked about enough I probably need some of that blame placed on myself Booker's distinctly Phoenix, too. Um, I think maybe never represented better than on the NBA 2K23 cover that I'm sure many of you have seen, where the Valley jersey kind of got brought to life in this colorful, bright, hazy background that is the sunset and the palm trees and everything that we all love about this area and again, his loyalty to want to play here, the fact that he really grew up here being drafted when he was just about 19, making this his home. And again, the fact that he continued and connected to his Latino culture. I, I wanted to, again, read something. These are This is from an article by Paolo Ugetti, formerly of The Ringer, now of ESPN, who wrote a piece about this Latino culture and the connection to Booker. And this is actually a quote from Mike Vigil, who hosts the Timeline podcast on Blue Wire, he wrote, he said to, to Paolo in that piece, quote, 
We've already felt the need to defend him for five or six years because of the trajectory of his career and the way he was talked about early on. I think for those of us that are Hispanic, there is even another layer to that. We feel like we have to go to even we have to go even more above and beyond to get him the proper respect that we believe he deserves. And and last year at the playoffs with the the buttoned up sort of cholo inspired fashion, the lowrider cars, and the the sunglasses, the haircut, everything, even the photo shoot that he did in the the white t- tank top and the 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 pulled up dad pants and all that stuff. There's just something so incredibly cool about Devin Booker. This city has had Charles Barkley. We've had Randy Johnson and Luis Gonzalez. We've had Larry Fitzgerald, Diana Taurasi, Steve Nash. But we've never had someone so incredibly skilled and distinctly stylistic in his athleticism. Someone like Booker who's so effortlessly cool, who cared about this place and wanted to embody what it meant to be from Phoenix, to represent Phoenix and... Commitments like this from a franchise that's been labeled cheap and rightly so, they do not come around every day. A supermax contract does not come around in the in every day in the NBA. It's it's rare to find a player who's worth that. It's rare to find a player who's accomplished enough that can get it from their team. This again is rarefied air in the NBA, and it's rarefied air in Phoenix. And best of all, it's completely well deserved. Next up, I'll tell you guys what I think about the three signings we've seen the Suns make. Damian Lee, Jock Landale, and Josh Okogie. First, a quick word once again from Arcade 1UP. Boom shakalaka, Arcade 1UP. And the Lockdown Podcast Network have big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. And Arcade 1UP, the leader in at-home retro arcade game, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait for it. Shaquille O'Neal edition. That's right, a Shaq edition NBA Jam machine. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. We all remember playing as Kevin Johnson or maybe the more more, uh, modern version with Amari Stoudemire on these NBA GM games, whether it was the arcade or the phone app. But they're bringing back the old school. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. You can pre-order now and get that machine straight to your house and don't have to wait at all from arcade1up.com that's arcade the number one up.com for an estimated early september ship date they've also got even more classics like golden team mortal Kombat, and others starting at just 399 dollars but again check this out arcade one up giving away an nba jam shack edition machine to one lucky lockdown listener you can enter for a chance to win that game console for your man cave your living room your bedroom or wherever you want to put it your office for all i care arcade one up dot com slash locked on that's arcade the number one up.com slash locked on you've got until july 8th to enter to win the nba jam shack edition console don't miss out enter today let's start here i've ranked the players that the Suns have signed to these minimum contracts or in the case of jock landale they traded for him i've ranked them in the order that i like them the the order that I am ranking them in terms of quality. Was the move good? Yes or no? One through three. So we're starting with Damian Lee. Longtime warrior. And as I was having some fun with on Twitter, a former seemingly pretty close friend of Kevin Durant. Even they played together for one season. But even after that, they have sort of had this social media relationship that would lead you to believe that they are buddies. TBD if that ends up being all that important. We will all see. But Lee is a pretty good shooter, and and he can get good shots off while he's moving, 
or catch and shoot at a standstill. And of course, playing in that Warriors system. And I don't just mean playing like, oh, he was on the team. He played minutes, you know, that play-in season that they had, or even the season when Steph got hurt. He actually played minutes. Um, he, so he knows how to get open. He knows how to use his gravity off the ball. And I think on top of that, you're looking at a guy who is 6'5", which he always looks smaller than that to me on the screen. I, maybe he's a little bit of a small 6'5". He's definitely not bulky, but he can guard probably three positions for you. I think he can play the one, two, or three on defense. And so all in all, I mean, to me, it just looks like a guy who, is he going to you know, jump over Landry Shamit in the rotation? Is he going to be pushing Devin Booker for minutes? Obviously not, right? He's probably not going to be the third guard, the Eric Gordon, the player like that that we've sort of wanted off of the bench, but he's on the minimum contract. So I think he should just be an excellent regular season addition. I think you could see him playing quite a few minutes in the regular season and, and helping the Suns win games. And provide some balance in case Landry Shamit is gone or if Shamit is inconsistent again in 2023. I don't think he could compete with Shamit for a rotation spot, I guess is a good way to put it. And that's important too because the Suns were stuck with Abdul Nader, with Landry Shamit. They had a lot of hopes that those guys could really produce and they just didn't. So Lee can be a veteran presence in that position to uh, compete for minutes, produce, help win, be that regular season inning eater and potentially be in line for some playoff minutes as well. Second up here, I have Jock Landale, a big man who made his NBA debut last year after a strong showing in the National Basketball League in Australia during the, the, the pandemic and then in the Olympics for Team Australia. So here's what he is. And I want to sh- point everybody over, especially after I get past Damian Lee, who's the guy I was the most familiar with, to... Go phnx.com where Daryl Borgay has been writing a lot of excellent stuff, breaking down these guys with film and quotes and everything that I, without a writing platform, I am not able to break down. So Daryl is, is definitely the place to go there. Landell's a solid pick and pop option to me. Quick release. Gerald had a lot of good stuff in his article about the development of the jumper. It was not very good when he was, he was actually in the U.S. in college, then went back overseas to compete professionally for the uh, Olympic team and for the domestic league in Australia. And his three-point shot's gotten a lot better. And it's gotten a lot quicker and noticeably so if you watch some of the clips. Um, But unfortunately, in San Antonio last year, he didn't really make those threes. He was in the low 30s, if if I'm remembering correctly, from deep. So he needs to prove that the big season he had in the NBL in Australia can actually translate to the NBA. But Some clips you'll see that he's actually pretty solid in the pick and roll also, not just popping out to take threes. He can catch the ball, take a dribble and finish. He can, you would think, a lot of those Australian guys are are capable playmakers, just sort of see the floor well. So you could imagine catching and, and moving the ball, maybe some dribble handoff stuff. Obviously, all these things lend themselves to just being a pretty good overall fit with the .5 offense that the Suns want to run. To me... Uh, Landale is probably mostly a Frank Kaminsky replacement. I, he's a little younger. He's improving steadily. So he's not, you know, Kaminsky's like 30 at this point and the injury concerns. I see why the Suns wanted to move on from him. But at the same time, there are just some questions with Landale. He's not going to be an athletic defender, just like Kaminsky isn't, just like Baines wasn't, just like Dario Saric has not been. But we've seen, as I just named off those three players, 
Those types of guys have still had success in this Sun system, in a bench role, in a smaller capacity. And I think Landale will as well. Third, Josh Okogi. Now, if you had asked me three years ago, I would have been over the moon about Josh Okogi. But I also think this, he wouldn't have become a free agent in the first place. He only became a free agent because the Wolves decided not to offer him that qualifying offer, make him restricted. So that shows you just how much they've moved on. The Suns wouldn't have been able to get this guy three years ago at a minimum contract. He wouldn't have been available and he would not have cost so little. But despite being an elite on-ball defender, pretty good turnover creator at the wing spot, sort of a smaller wing, he can make opposing ball handlers miserable. But despite that, he just has not shown a consistent ability to hit shots from really anywhere on the court. Um, You just think like if even a player like Matisse Thibel, for instance, he's the guy who came to mind for me. But even, you might even go to Grant Williams. These guys who are much more versatile and much better overall defenders than Akogi, guys who were drafted higher than him and who have been more established in the NBA than him. If even those guys come playoff time are falling out of their team's rotations, I just, again, it's a minimum. And maybe I'm holding him to a higher standard because he is a former first-round pick who's very young. I just got done saying that maybe Lee, maybe Landale aren't going to be playoff players. But I also don't think Okogi will be. And so you you throw in the fact that he's probably going to struggle to stay on the floor if teams are just going to let him shoot and he can't make those shots, coupled with the fact that that offensive inconsistency could even affect him in the regular season. And that's why I like this signing the least out of the three. I think they'll all produce. I think they'll all be pretty solid additions. And look, at the at the end of the day, if these players basically come in and they end up being the replacements for Alfred Payton, Frank Kaminsky, and Abdul Nader, it's all gravy. It doesn't really matter. Those These three players to me seem better than those three players. So at the end of the bench... I think it's a totally worthwhile thing. These players did not cost much of anything for the Suns to go get. But if a huge Kevin Durant trade, which we are all still waiting on, were to make these guys bigger parts of the Suns' rotation, then it might be time to worry because there just are not a lot of guys left on the free agent market. I'm not going to bore you with all of that, but we did lose Thomas Bryant from the market today going to the Lakers. Really the only guy left that I think is a a big difference maker is Dennis Schroeder. And I do think there's a chance due to his relationship with Chris Paul that we could potentially see him come to the Suns in the event of a Kevin Durant trade or even maybe not. And he just comes on that taxpayer mid-level. But there just are not a lot of guys left, especially if they were to miss out on Schroeder. So if these three players are big parts of the Suns rotation, maybe like numbers... 8, 9, and 10 in the rotation, you start to worry about the depth. But that's a conversation for a different time. Summer League is coming up, and I want to give you my general thoughts, plus why I actually like this roster quite a bit more than the 2021 Summer League Suns roster. First today's show, guys, also brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting news, info, and analysis all year long. It might feel like the sports calendar is slowing down, but what that actually means to me is just more creative betting. You have 2022 World Cup group stage bets already, so the first 
the first pool of games. This is crazy. I did not realize this. So you have the United States versus Wales on November 21st. That's their first game on day one of this entire tournament, and you can already bet on it. It's a pick em. Um, So Wales is plus 108 money line, and the over-under is two goals. It feels pretty okay. Uh, sorry, the... Yeah, plus, plus 190 money line for Wales. Sorry, plus 145 for the USA. Put some money on the United States. That's plus money right there. And uh, why not support the dang, the doggone home team? That's the kind of thing you can get at Online. in addition to news analysis and podcasts to inform your betting and check in on all your favorite sports and events all year long. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the latest trends and action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So one thing that did not happen in this Suns offseason that is noticeable when you look at this Summer League roster for 2022, which again, I do like more than last year's for sure, is that Ife Lundberg is nowhere to be found. That we did not get news of Lundberg, as was widely expected, signing a contract fully to come to the Suns. So I found this quote that Ife gave to Sport TV 2. I may be saying that correct, incorrectly. Foreign website from Denmark, where he's from. And he gave this quote. Quote, I've always said that I would not play in the Summer League if I was not guaranteed a contract. I feel it's too big of a risk to take, especially with a view to my family's future. I stand by that. Now, that was part of a longer quote, but that was the gist of it, the main crux of what he's saying there, which is basically... I don't want to get hurt playing Summer League. And I think the subtext there too for Mife is I've proven myself. I don't need to play Summer League. I think people might not realize that Lundberg is in his late 20s. I think he was 27 when the Suns signed him. So he's 27 going on 28 if he's not 28 already. And he's had a pretty successful career overseas already. So I get it, I guess. I'm not sure if the Suns really care for him to play Summer League if they weren't going to give him a contract, that might have been mutual. Hey, if if we do sign you next season, please come to Summer League where you can continue to learn the system, mesh with your teammates, and all the rest. And if not, there's no need, of course. I just see this as a huge missed opportunity. Um, my guess is that Ife will go back to Europe. I think that's pretty clear where he'll probably have some pretty big offers. I mean, we've seen big, relatively speaking, he's not going to get like an NBA max, but he'll get a good chunk of money and be able to be closer to home. Um, I hope he gets another NBA chance, but we've seen this with guys who are European by birth and, and want to go back there or, or maybe just don't want to leave. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that get drafted and just never come over. But even in the case of a guy like Nikola Mirotic or Marcus Gasol or even this summer, Nemanja Bielica. Now those are more... Um, I know Denmark is unique. I understand there was a lot going into Ife coming to the NBA because it was the first player from that country to do so and it seemed like he was a good fit with the Suns and and that's why it's a little bit of a bummer. I do just want to note, the Suns probably did have a chance to sign Ife if they were willing to use a little bit of the uh, taxpayer mid-level, like if they could go into that taxpayer mid-level and use maybe one million of it to sign Ife to a contract a little bit over the minimum, but I do think there's a chance too that the Kevin Durant trade might have just held that all up. I think if it's somebody like Schroeder who they want to bring on, if there's trades, I just think the roster was in flux and they probably didn't feel comfortable committing to anything like that with opportunities elsewhere. 
We'll see in time if that was the correct move. If they don't use any of that taxpayer mid-level and they don't get you know, another shooting type of guy at that wing spot, we might feel like this was just a big mistake. If they do fill that slot and they win a championship this year or something, no one's going to be thinking all that much about Ife Lundberg. So on to Summer League generally. So some observations off the top. I think we're seeing more recent college players and just overall more well-known talent than we did in 2021. Now, far be it from me to say of those international guys that the Suns brought in last year to Vegas, who was well-known or well-regarded, I understand. I don't know that stuff, but I think generally speaking, when you look around the league and a lot of these teams are using Summer League to test out guys who maybe came through college and then never caught on in the NBA or who maybe were American college players who went overseas and have played well and now they're back, that tends to be what we see in Summer League. You might see the international guy here and there or an unknown or an older guy come through. Those things happen, but that's not how most teams build their Summer League rosters. And considering nobody from last year's Summer League roster became a two-way player for the Suns or caught on elsewhere, it feels like last year was a little bit of a waste. So I think this year feels a lot better. Names you recognize, players who seem to fit the Suns a lot better. And then generally, I think Ish Wainwright is obviously going to be the highlight for a lot of Suns fans who tune in. And I do hope to see him featured a little bit. Maybe not quite as extreme as what we saw with Jalen Smith last year, but close to it. Um, if you look at the Ugandan national team where Ish Wainwright plays overseas for, uh, for FIBA competitions and the Olympics and everything, he has been more of a featured piece and he puts up like nearly triple-double types of numbers. So if you put the ball in his hands a little bit and let, him, and let him go to work, I think we could see some fun stuff and he could continue to develop his game. Three players to watch to round us out here. One, Dejan Vasiljevic, who... I remember from when I was really deep in the NBA draft stuff back when the Suns were tanking every year as the spot-up guy who played next to Bruce Brown and Lonnie Walker at Miami. If you look back at those college numbers, they were more in the mid-30s, so not excellent, but just fine. But then what he did after college is turned around and put up a 37% and then a 40% shooting season from deep in the Australian National Basketball League. So he's done very well for himself after being at a Blue Blood program or a you know, Power 5 program in college as well. So that caught my eye for sure. A shooter is always something good. And he's really more of a wing. He's not one of these guys who's big and plotting. Like he, you could easily imagine him stationing him in the corner. Maybe he is somewhat of that Ife Lundberg type of replacement. Second, Lou King. He was the Summer League MVP last year. But I also remember him from when he was a guy at Oregon when I was deep in the draft stuff. I believe he might have been the 2019 draft. Um, but he shot 37% from G League, I believe in three G League seasons now. Um, good volume, good rebound, steal, and block numbers. He's been, he was pretty productive in Summer League last year. He's played some preseason ball in different cities. I just think he's a really good bet. He was a very highly thought of recruit in, when he went to Oregon. Didn't have the best season. I believe he was drafted in the middle of the second round. But he's kind of started to carve out a real niche with what his game is going to be as a little bit of a do-it-all, big playmaking type, but now has that jumper too. And if that can be real, if he can you know, put on a nice shooting performance in practices and games during summer league, I think you really could have something as a player there. Maybe it's a two-way contract. We'll see. Last but not least, Vrenz Blyenberg. Um, obviously a mouthful, as you see my mouth just sort of struggled to even do that one. 
He's the guy who we saw first get announced on this roster, and I don't know if I believe in him as an NBA player. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched him a ton. There's a lot of guys like this who come through from Europe, but he's 21, which is nice just being so young. He seems pretty raw still, but he's a stretch forward. It seems like he can actually move a little bit, and draft guys loved him in 2021. He was draft eligible as recently as last year, did not latch onto an NBA team, and now he's sort of back trying to make a mark for himself. You know, I wonder if there is a place for just sort of that shooting four-man anymore in the NBA, the Ryan Anderson type. I don't think there's a lot of those guys left. You have to be able to do something more. But being 21, I be, I'm just going to be interested to see if he can add additional elements to his game. That'll do it for today. Aaron Edwards will be back. We're seeing news as I'm recording this from Gambo that... Uh, there could be some Aiton moves on Thursday. So Aaron Edwards will be here to talk about all of it. We'll break it down. The moratorium is over, which means cap space teams can go out and sign DeAndre Ayton to a cap to an offer sheet, and we'll see if it happens. But that'll do it for today. Big thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Now go make Locked On NBA your second listen to catch up on everything else going on around the league.